please turn your Bibles to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. I've got Mark there, verse 42, but we're going to start in verse 41. Genesis 41 and verse 41. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him all over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, Joseph's name, Zaphnath Paneah, and he gave him as a wife, Asnath, the daughter of Potipharia, priest of On. So Joseph went out all over all the land of Egypt. We followed Joseph when he was a young man, 17 years old. We first met him, and he is the most loved son of his father Jacob. Jacob's name is also Israel. Israel is the father of the 12 tribes of of Israel. And Jacob is his favorite son, the favorite son of his favorite wife, Rachel. And Joseph, he loves so much that he gives him, and we've we've studied this, he gave him that coat of, of many colors. He loved his son, but that coat not only made his brothers envious, it also made them jealous for their father's love. And they wanted their father's love so bad. And they hated Joseph because of that coat and because of the love that their father gave him. And we followed Joseph as he went out to find his brothers. And they were off in a far place tending the sheep. And they saw him coming from afar off. And they said, let's kill him. And his brother Reuben said, no, let's, let's, not, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into this pit. And so that's what they do. They throw him into the pit. And then for some reason, Reuben leaves. And the brothers see a caravan of Ishmaelites. And they say, let's sell him. Let's sell him. And they do. They sell him for 20 pieces of silver. Sell him to the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites take Joseph down into Egypt where they were going to sell their goods. They take him and they sell him to the house of Potiphar. And we follow Joseph. We follow Joseph while he's in the house of Potiphar and how he's made Potiphar's right-hand man. Potiphar puts him over everything in the house except, and this is from Joseph's mouth, except for Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife, we've studied about her, how she said, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me every day, lie with me. And he wouldn't do it. And finally, she caught him in the house alone. We've studied that. She caught him in the house alone and she, she grabbed for him, lie with me. And he, she, she, he ran off without his, without his cloak. And because of that, Potiphar's wife lied on Joseph. She lied to the, to the rest of the house staff. She lied to Potiphar. And Potiphar became angry and he throws Joseph into prison. We follow Joseph as he's in prison and he's, he's, he's made the second in command of all the prison. 
He's made over everything in the prison. God is with Joseph even through this. And he's made second in command over all of the, in the prison. And there's these two, we followed this, the two butler and the baker, the two prisoners who had angered Pharaoh somehow. And they've been put into prison and they had these dreams. And they were so sad. And God gave Joseph the ability to interpret those dreams. It wasn't Joseph who interpreted the dreams. It was God who interpreted the dreams. It's been years, two years, since the butler's dream. If you remember, the butler told uh, Jacob, uh, Joseph told the butler his dream. He said, your dream means that you're going to be back in Pharaoh's service again. He told the baker, your dream means you're going to be hung. And that's exactly what happened. Three days later, the butler was restored to service and the baker was hung. And Joseph told the butler, he said, remember me when you come into Pharaoh's presence. It was two years, two years later before the butler ever remembered Joseph. And the reason he remembers Joseph is because Pharaoh had two dreams. And we see those dreams here in Genesis chapter 41. Pharaoh had two dreams that he, he couldn't interpret and he called for his wise men. And his wise men, they couldn't interpret the dreams either. Pharaoh needed to know the meaning. It was driving him crazy to know the meaning of these two dreams. One of the dreams he had, one of the dreams he had was that the, the, he had fat cows and he had skinny cows and the skinny cows ate the fat cows. Seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, and the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows. Then he had another dream. That was a wild dream. You ever, ever had wild dreams before? Hey, that was a wild one. He had another wild one. He had some ears, ears some say ears of corn, some say ears of wheat. They were good and they were plump. And he had seven of those and he had seven old mangly looking ones. And the seven mangly ones ate the seven plump ones. What does this dream mean? And it's not until two years later that Joseph is remembered by the butler. Joseph is 30 years old. He started on this journey when he was 17. He's 30 years old. Joseph has been wronged for so long. And we, we must remember, we've started with this verse. And here soon I'm going I'm to end a lesson with this verse. I'm going to end the lesson with this verse. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And as we've studied, Joseph, because God was with him, tells Pharaoh what his dreams mean, the seven, the seven fat and seven skinny cows and seven plump and seven withered heads of grain meant that these dreams were one and the same, that it meant there was going to be seven years of plenty, and there was going to be seven years, seven years of famine. And Joseph tells Pharaoh, according to the force of the language here, if you look at, at verse 41, at chapter 41, he, he tells Pharaoh, according to the force of language, not what he should do, but what he, he must do to weather the, the coming disaster. And in a 10-minute conversation... Literally, a 10-minute conversation, Joseph becomes second in command of all of Egypt. Now, if God wasn't with him, I don't know who was. I don't know who was. From slave to second, God must have been with Joseph. He must have been with him. To me, this is a miracle. 
It's the fastest rags to riches story I've heard since we started having Powerball lottery winners. I mean, it was quick. God was with Joseph in the darkest times of his life. And Christian, what I want to tell you today is during the darkest times of your life, God will be with you too. That's the lesson I want you to get from this today. God is with you. He's for you. If He's for you, who can be against you, Christian? Who can be against you? You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. Joseph, after all he's been through, is finally finally able to realize his rewards. Joseph realized the rewards that he was given. Joseph is awarded for his ability by Pharaoh, but more importantly, Joseph is rewarded for his patience and his obedience from God, by God. Uh, look at what Joseph receives from Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 42. Joseph receives Pharaoh's signet ring, the ring right off, his, right off Pharaoh's hand. This was engraved with Pharaoh's symbol and whenever this symbol was, was on a document or whenever this symbol was on a letter or if Joseph needed access to some place, Pharaoh's ring was, in his symbol was all the authority that he needed. He had the authority. And it, was opened all, it opened all doors and it commanded, this authority commanded everyone in Egypt except for Pharaoh. Joseph had the authority. It was a was a blessing. He had to realize a reward he'd been waiting 13 years for. Notice verse 42 as well. Joseph was given new clothes. Now, you know, when he came out of prison, when he was about to come out in front of Pharaoh, it says that he, that he shaved and he changed, he changed his clothes. He had been Egyptianized. The Egyptians, they shaved. They shaved their head. They shaved their beard. They didn't wear beards. Okay, And they wore simple tunics. And he was Egyptianized before he came in front of Pharaoh. But they were, they were still clothes of, of the common person. Notice these were garments of fine linen. Pharaoh made sure Joseph dressed the part of the privileged of Egypt. Joseph was seen as an, as an insider, not an outsider. Further, it's shown, uh, he's shown favor, look at verse 42, by, by the gold chain. He got some bling. He, you know, Pharaoh gave him some bling is what we would call it. Joseph is highly favored by wearing. It was a gift. This was a gift from Pharaoh. He didn't have to give Joseph this. But this, this further showed Pharaoh's favor, showed Pharaoh's uh, gift toward, toward Joseph and how he, highly he was thought of. Look at verse 43. Joseph gets a new ride. He gets a new ride. Pharaoh's second best chariot. And an entourage. He gets an entourage. They run before him and they tell everybody, bow the knee. Bow the knee. Can you imagine Potiphar or Potiphar's wife or maybe the, the Ishmaelites who sold Joseph into slavery, slavery having to bow the knee if they were in town because everybody had to bow the knee to Joseph. He was second in command of all of Egypt. The only person that did not have to bow the knee in front of Joseph was Pharaoh. Notice verse 45. Joseph's name was changed. And even the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph was glorified by Pharaoh 
who gives Joseph an Egyptian name, which really means God speaks and he lives. That's what the name Zaphnath Paniah, I had to pronounce, I had to practice that name a lot. I promise you, I stood in the front of the mirror. Zaphnath Paniah, that's exactly how it says. And it means that God speaks and he lives. Pharaoh was giving God glory by the name that he gave Joseph. This name solidifies his position. And notice, verse 45, every hero gets the girl in every good movie, right? Well, Joseph, he gets Aznath. He gets Aznath. Joseph is basically in the family now. Because, you know, Pharaohs, they thought of themselves as gods. They thought of themselves as gods. And Aznath's daddy is the priest of On. In ancient Egyptian city, Joseph... He's basically in the family and he realizes his reward. If you look at verse 45 here, he realizes his reward. Joseph went out all over the land of Egypt. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew him. Joseph had come through a dark time in his life. But God meant it for his good. And as I said at the beginning, Christians, we may be going through a dark time. We may be about to go through a dark time. We may have just come through a dark time. But God is with us. God is with us. And we can take courage from that. Our lives are, dec- are, are, are directed by God. But we as Christians, what we've got to do is we've got to realize our rewards too. Just like Joseph did. He realized his rewards. He had been given great rewards, not in the afterlife, but right then. And yes, we as Christians, one of these days, we as Christians, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to live with God forever. And that's, that's a reward in itself. Yes, but hey, Christians, we have rewards here now that we need to realize. How wonderful it is to be a Christian. How awesome it is to... To, to, to call yourself a Christian. Like Pharaoh, Pharaoh's ring gave Joseph authority. We have God's authority. We have God's authority, the, the most powerful being in the universe. Pharaoh was the most powerful being on the earth at that time, but the most powerful being in the universe is God. It's always been God, and we have his authority found in the pages of our Bible. Do you understand what a gift that we have in the Bible? These young men were, were practicing today on how to, how to read the Bible in front of you. And we, Brian Cox and I, we made it very, very clear to them how important the Bible was to communicate, communicate clearly to the people who are out here. The Bible is so important. God's word is truth, John 17, 17. God's word is truth. And that truth it will set us free, John 8, 32. Do we realize what we have? We must realize our reward by remembering God's word. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 2. Study it to show ourselves approved to God, not to ourselves, but to God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We must preach it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. We must hold to it, 2 Timothy 1.13. Abide in it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And be examples by it, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. As Joseph was given new clothes, we as Christians must realize the new clothes we wear 
when we were baptized into Jesus Christ, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. We put on Christ. We put off, Colossians 3, 8, anger. We put off wrath. We put off malice. We put off blasphemy. We put off filthy language when we put on Christ. We wear new clothes now. Not the clothes of a slave of sin, but the clothes of a slave of righteousness. We are privileged people. We've put off the old man and put on the new man. No longer slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. Romans chapter 6 verse 18. No longer outsiders, but God's elect. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says. And that's how we get the spiritual blessings. That's, how we, that's what we must realize if we're in Christ. We have not just some of the spiritual blessings, but we have all of them. In Christ Jesus. Like Joseph was, was favored with a necklace of gold. A gift from Pharaoh. We have been saved by God's grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. This is God's gift. As Christ, Christians we must realize who made us. Who made us and why we were made. God made us and we are his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. His workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works we wear this gift we are highly favored over all the rest of his creation as Christians and like the chariot was prestige for Joseph we ride in a chariot of sorts we ride in God's family we're in God's family we're surrounded by by an ever present entourage we have brothers and sisters all over the world Four just left this morning who were from Brazil. And they'd, been to, and they'd seen uh, brothers and sisters in, in Ghana and in, in India and, and Russia. We have, we have people all over the world. Those in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, have been, Paul says, predestined. Why? Because we obeyed to be part of God's family. We have been adopted as sons. We have been adopted as daughters. We have forgiveness of sins. We know the mystery of his will. And in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. First, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Why, why have we obtained this inheritance? Verse 13 says, We trusted in the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. We trusted in this. This is our, our vehicle to heaven. The gospel. When we put on Christ, like Joseph, we were given a new name. It says in Isaiah chapter 62 verse 2, it says this, You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Today we must realize our reward and embrace our name, Christian. That should mean something to us. This the name itself should mean something to us. Christian. Christian only. Christians are followers. They're disciples of Christ. Those who are Christians. Acts chapter 11 verse 26. The followers of Christ in that verse are called Christians. And Christians only. That's it. Just Christians. 
As Christians, we are privileged to suffer. 1 Peter 4 and verse 6. As Christians, we're not merely a good person. Christians are not merely just a good person. Acts chapter 11 verse 14. They're not merely just a religious person. As Paul points out in Acts chapter 17 verses 22 and 23. They're not one who just follows the Old Testament law. As many people think today. In, but in Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, the old law has been nailed to the cross. We as Christians, we follow the New Testament. We follow a new law given by God. But a Christian is one who loves Christ enough, loves Christ enough to obey him. John chapter 14, verse 21, do you love Christ enough to obey him? The flip side of that verse is, if you don't love me, you won't obey me. So you have to, we have to ask ourselves tonight, have we realized our reward so much that we're willing to obey Jesus in whatever he says? A Christian is a branch in the vine. John chapter 15, verse 5. A Christian lives by a different standard. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And like Joseph received the honor of a new bride, we must realize our reward that as the church, we are the bride of Christ. Christ is the head of the body of the church. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Christ is the bridegroom of the church. Romans chapter 7 and verse 4. Christ is the head and savior of his bride. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23. And the saved, we weren't voted in. We weren't voted in. We were added to the church by God. Acts chapter 2 verse 47, when we obeyed. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. As Christians, we must realize the rewards we have now. And yes, we're going to heaven. And it's our final reward. And we who are faithful will receive a crown of life. But we have blessings to be realized now. Now. As Christians... Looking back at Genesis 41, verse 45, Joseph, realizing his authority, it says, went out all over the land during the seven years of plenty. And as Christians, realizing our reward, we must go out all over our land because the people are starving for the word. This is a a statue memorial in Dublin, Ireland. It's on a city street in Dublin, Ireland. It, it's a memorial for the potato famine. And, you know, you might think, oh, what a funny name, the potato famine. But it was a very real famine. And people, many thousands and thousands of people died. And that's basically what they looked like. They were so sad. They hurt so bad. And they had nothing. They were starving. There are people all over the world. I, you know, I just, I clicked on Bing and looked up images of starvation. That was what I put. I gave you the best one, the nicest one I could give you. Some of the pictures that I saw of the starving people around the world are just horrible. A famine is a terrible thing. I hope, well, maybe I might need to go through a little famine, but but that's neither here nor there. I would hate for us to go through a famine. I would hate that to happen. 
A famine is a terrible thing. We as Christians, realizing our reward, we've got to go out in among our people and tell them because they're starving for the bread and the water of life and we've got it. We've got it. Like Amos prophesied, if you'll turn there, Amos chapter 8, he prophesied about the children of Israel and we can claim this passage for the biblically ignorant today. Amos chapter 8 verse 11. Think of the biblically ignorant during our time. Begin with verse 11. That in our day and time there's a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread. Nor thirst for water. But of the hearing of the words of the Lord. They wander from sea to sea and north to east and run to and fro seeking the Lord, but they cannot find it. The young men are fainting. The young virgins, the fair virgins are are fainting and we have what they need. And I echo Brother Charles Hodge. I I made a copy of this for you back in in, in the foyer. I echo Charles Hodge who back in 1991 said, spectators may have a momentary excitement, but never profound Interest, And I'm paraphrasing him for our benefit here. The more time, money, and effort you invest here at Fountainhead, the more interest you'll have. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Interest is determined by investment. Interest is, in, is determined by, by investment. Why do we care so much for our children? Because we've invested so much in our children. Why do we care so much about our marriages? Because we've invested so much time in our marriages. Why do we, why do we care so much about our job? Because we've invested so much time in our job. Why do we care about Fountainhead Church of Christ or, or Portland Church of Christ or any church all over the world, the church the world over, the church Catholic? Because we've invested so much time in it. And the more you invest, the more you'll care. It's that simple. Man has done so much in our lifetime. Peyton Manning tonight, he's about to cap off. I hope he wins tonight. I really do. I'll just, I'm, I'm for Peyton Manning tonight. I, 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 you may disagree with me, but that's fine. But he's had a wonderful, awesome season, and he's done so much. He's thrown more passes and scored more touchdowns than anybody, and he could cap this season off with a, with a victory in the Super Bowl, and bless his heart, he could retire. He would be on top if he did. It would be awesome. Man has built skyscrapers. I'm so glad there are people smarter than me who can, who can get down into the minutia of a person's body and, and, and figure out the cancers and the, and the lymph nodes and the this things and the things the, all the things I can't pronounce. We've sent people to the moon. We've built cars and fast cars and locomotives and, and we I mean, you can sit in a chair in the sky. (laughs) Think about that. And ride to your destination. Man has done so many things. 
But man will never be able to save us. He'll never be able to save us. Peyton Manning can't save us. But God can save Peyton Manning. And God can save us. It's my hope that we'll realize today as Christians what we have and we'll be motivated and encouraged to continue to work hard and invest more so that we'll have more interest. I hope you realize your reward today. If you want this reward but you don't have it, it's free to all who want it. When the song is sung, all you have to do is come forward. Maybe you haven't realized your reward. It's my hope tonight that you'll leave this place. You may not come forward and you may not need prayers, but if you do, please do. But I hope that you'll leave this place tonight. I hope you'll leave this place encouraged. I hope you'll leave this place uplifted. I hope you'll leave this place realizing your reward and what God has done for each and every Christian here. If you have a need tonight, we would be glad to help you. Obey the gospel before it's too late. We prayed for you tonight. We've prayed for you. And you know what you need to do. There are many out there who know what they need to do to make things right with God. Do so before, before this night ends. Come right now. Let's together.